0: You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. We're singing off the little screen today because nothing and my slides will be on the little screen today because... I don't know if this is how it is in your your line of work, uh, ladies or gentlemen, but in church world, only things that break are 15 minutes before service on Sunday mornings. They work perfect on Friday, they work perfect on Saturday, they do not work on Sunday mornings. And so once again, our worship team, production team, um, scrambling to get something uh, working for us uh, today. So I think it's appropriate today to begin a Father's Day sermon with some dad jokes. Now, I looked up the definition of dad jokes because I never even knew there was such a thing like that was labeled dad jokes before. And so I looked up the definition and it was highly offensive, the <laughs> definition. It says, an unoriginal or unfunny joke of a type supposedly told by middle aged or older men. And that is a, that is a highly offensive definition because I think these things are pretty doggone funny. Um, so it was a lovely wedding even the cake was in tears. It did get there. Just... What do you call a cheese that isn't yours? <laughs> Nacho cheese. <laughs> Nacho cheese. Where's Pat? It's Pat? Pat, I thought of you when I read that one for some reason, Pat. Uh, what did the buffalo say to his son as he walked out the door? Bye, son. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Another middle-aged, older man, dad, laughing at dad jokes. What's red and smells like blue paint? Red paint. Red paint does. My favorite. What did the fish say when he hit the concrete wall? Damn. I've, I've been wanting to tell that dad joke for about... Ever, ever since I heard, it, and it's been vetoed every single time. Every single, I ran it by someone. Can I tell this on Sunday? I was vetoed, every, but it's Father's Day. I didn't ask permission today. <laughs> so don't you? I mean, that's high-level humor. I think that's that's Happy Father's Day. Notoriously, on uh, Mother's Day we dote over moms. We dote over moms on Mother's Day, and on Father's Day we usually challenge fathers on Father's Day. I, I think that's why. On Mother's Day, attendance is always so much higher than on Father's Day because we always challenge dads on Father's Day. There's two particular reasons why that happens. One is most lead pastors or a high percentage of lead pastors are men. And men, we don't do good at encouraging one another face-to-face. We do better at challenging or coaching. We're not the best at encouraging. I hope to do both of those today. But the other is a more poignant. The reason why dads get challenged so often is because fatherless kids end up on the wrong end of the wrong statistics. Um, uh, high, higher uh, degrees of educational failure. Um, uh, suicide. Um, I mentioned the dropout rates, but also um, addictions, incarcerations, even poverty. Um, and so that's why dads get challenged a lot. The stakes seem to be very, very high. But when you scan the table contents of your Bible in the Old Testament, you'll find first and Second Samuel, you'll find first and second kings, you'll find first and second chronicles. When you flip to the New Testament, you're going to find first and Second Corinthians, first and second Thessalonians, first and Second Timothy, first and second Peter. You're even going to find first, second and third John, but here's what you will not find. You will not find first and second parenting. You will not find one book on parenting, or one book on mothering, and you won't find one book on fathering. In fact, we have very little information on Mary and Joseph, the mother and father of Jesus. We have very little information on Jesus before the age of 30. And I think there's a good reason for that, because I think God understood our propensity to turn those things into formulas. I can see the book titles now if we had good definitions or good uh, we would look to Mary and Joseph as these perfect parents, right? So the books that would be written, my conjecture, would be Raising Your Own Jesus would be one title (laughs) that we would have available to us. Um, Parenting for Perfection would be one that the the high-level, you know, um, neurotic parents would go after that one, right? Um, And then for moms on Pinterest, we would have Creative Summer Snacks for Saviors. (laughs) So when when we look to the Bible and we think that it's going to Teach us about parenting. No, no doubt, no doubt, there are things we pull out of there that, that inform our parenting. But this book wasn't written as a parenting book. This book was written about a parent. On Mother's Day, I talked to you about the mother heart of God. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the father heart heart of God and and when we pick this up and we read this and we sing songs like we sang today we get introduced to the father heart of God and the father heart of God is significant if you wonder why life feels so hard and why our responsibilities feel so heavy I would contend it's because we've mixed up the roles that we're living in we were created to be sons and daughters before we were ever being created to be men and women and mothers and fathers, and when we lose this sense that we are a son and daughter of the perfect, a perfect heavenly Father, then everything feels so much heavier. Sons and daughters will inform us on being men and women, and being husband or um, fathers and mothers. So, I have two main objectives for the message today. One is to reconnect you to the heart of the Father, but the second would be to bless you with the Father's blessing. And I look forward to doing that. So since we're still in the summer playlist, um, the Psalms are replete with um, descriptions of who God is as Father. And I want you to listen to this one in Psalm 103. Now, I've replaced the word. Every time it was said Lord, I've put the word Father. You could replace these. These are interchangeable words here. And so I've I've written it this way. Maybe not. Um, I still say praise the Lord. Is that what it says? Throw it up here. So every time you see Lord, I want you, I want you to hear Father. Um, praise the Father, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his Holy name. Now look, when I talk about name, and last, last week I introduced this to you, that when it says this name and we praise the name of Jesus and those things, this is his fame name. This is his character. This is his essence. We don't praise a name. we got four letters or five letters written out. That's not what we praise. We praise what the name represents, right? I've also taught you that your reputation beats you into the room. Right, your character beats you into the room. We're singing about the character. we praise the character of who Jesus is, who God is, okay, who the Father is. So that's what it's saying. Praise the Father. The psalmist is, is, is full of emotion. Praise the Father, my soul. I mean, this is down deep coming from him. Praise the Father, my soul, and my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Father, my soul. And forget not all his benefits or his blessings. And then he starts listing these out. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you, crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The father works. It's on our behalf, the Father works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Father is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us. As our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the father has compassion on those who fear him. When scripture says fear, this is a respect and an awe. This is not afraid. For he knows how we were formed. He remembers, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But, but from everlasting to everlasting, the father's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Father has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Father, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Father, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who will do his will. Praise the Father, all his works everywhere in his dominion, Praise the Father, my soul. This is a rich psalm describing those blessings, those benefits of God the Father. When I I ripped through them quickly, we, we read about forgiveness, healing, redemption, love, compassion, satisfying of desires, vitality, justice, graciousness, patience, understanding. And all of those come from the heart of God, our Father. He is deeper than what He does. This is who He is. Listen, this message today is not primarily to fathers. It is to sons and daughters. To sons and daughters. Every one of us in this room have a father story. Even if you don't know your father... That is part of your father's story. And me comparing my father's story to your father's story might make good conversation. It gives you probably insight into who I am. Lord knows I've given you insight into me through my father, okay? But we all carry a father's story. And even in the best of fathers, there becomes things that happen that come out of his woundedness past that end up lodging in us, creating a wound. I spoke to someone after the first service and and I don't think she'd mind me saying. I mean she's in her 70s and she said, I just cried because of the remembrance of my father wounds. And see, here's the thing about a wound. A wound is just, is just is painful, but a scar tells a story. So, so the wound is not the issue. If we all carry our wounds, we carry our wounds and their wounds. But God's intent as our father is for that wound to be healed and its scars. And we think of scars as ugly. Scars are a story. They tell a story. And we, each one of us carry a father's story, some better than others. But either way, Satan's objective is to obscure or obliterate your son and daughter connection with the father. And if he can do that through your father's story, he's going to do it. Because he knows that when we find forgiveness and we find redemption and we find gracious and we find compassion, he knows of what we find when we connect our heart to the heart of the father. And if he can keep you away from that heart, he's going to keep you not whole. The message today is between four sons and daughters. I've told you this on many occasions. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people break people. But listen, whole people heal people. Aren't there people that you just kind of like being around? Like sometimes you like them around because they're the life of the party, right? So you don't have to, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I really am. I'm kind of borderline. But in big settings, um, when I don't have a microphone, um, I, I lean to the introvert side. So I like being around extroverts in those settings because I don't have to do anything, you know? So there's those kind of people like being around, but there's also people that you like being around. Sometimes um, I've heard this phrase, a non-anxious presence, that when they're, when they're in the room or they're in a situation where something is kind of, kind of chaotic, when they're there, everything just kind of calms down, right? And so whole people are like that, whole people in Christ, whole people that have a whole relationship with the Father. When they're in relationships and they're in situations, they will bring a healing into that situation that you can't even really put your finger on. Um, so I want to partner that Psalm 103, which I just gave you kind of this 10,000 um, flyover view of God. I want to follow that up with a New Testament example um, listed in um, Luke 11, Matthew 6. Generally, we know this as the Lord's Prayer, and I, I don't think that's an accurate, I don't think that's a really accurate um, uh, label for the prayer. And here's why. Yes, it's true that the disciples come to Jesus and said, Teach us how to pray. Right? That's how we, that's how, if you've learned it, you've learned it that way. That the disciples came, teach us how to pray. And I just don't think that they came and asked him for the details of how to pray. Right? Because what would have happened is they would have had to hear him pray and go, Oh, I want to pray like that. And I don't think that's the depth of it. And there's a lot of in-betweens when you read in the New Testament and the Gospels, stuff that we don't have privy to, but you can kind of see where it's going. And so many times we have Jesus going away and being alone with the Father. We don't get a lot of details of what that is. But so often, and he would, went away to pray. He went on to the mountain to pray. He went away and prayed. And I think every time he did that, when he came back, there was, this, there was this more of this kind of glow and wholeness of who Christ was. And so what I really think they were asking is, we want that kind of relationship with the father that you have because up to this they would have known him more as Jehovah as Yahweh and now they're seeing this really personal connection between God the son and God the father and like we want we want that so i think this is more the father a father's heart is what we get out of the lord's prayer and what jesus is teaching them is, is how and why they can trust this god they're praying to so instead of it being a model to pray, I think it's more a portrait of who we're praying to. And why is that important? Because when you pray to God as a fixer, it changes the way you pray if you pray to Him as Father. Whenever you approach anybody as a fixer, generally the conversation starts right off of what the problem is, what you want them to do about it, and an expectation of when it can be finished. Any dads can uh, uh, feel that, right? The conversations are sure. Annie called me this week. Now, you know, we have a lot of conversations, but one conversation this week it was, immediately I just said hi, and she went right into what I was supposed to fix. And as soon as I told her when I could get to that, then it was bye. That, that's going to the father as a fixer, not going to a father as a father. Hey, dad, how's your day been? Can I tell you a little bit about my day? See, and so when we pray to God as fixer, it's not going to look anything like this Lord's Prayer. But if we can extract from this Lord's Prayer the heart of the Father God, it will change not just how we pray. He's not teaching this as a formula. He's teaching this as how, how we can relate to God if we know who God, His heart really is, okay? So here's, um, here it is. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, well, Pastor, where, where is his heart? I see what, how we're supposed to pray, but where is his heart? Well, when I read our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, years ago I did my own amplified version of this prayer. And this part would, I wrote out, our perfect and powerful Father who we approach in complete confidence of receiving mercy and grace. And to me in there, the key phrase is that we can approach in complete confidence. Making God our Father safe. Now, I never knew, I never knew which dad I was going to get sometimes in my conversation. Okay? And so, so just using that as an example, then how often... And how many steps do you go through before you approach that if you're not sure what you're going to get when you get there? And through the Old Testament, we learn more about the um, the power and the perfection of of God. And and you definitely don't want to go to somebody that doesn't have the power, (laughs) right, to take care of something. But unless you understand the graciousness and the compassion side of God, then you're going to be afraid of the perfection and the power side of God. So in this he's saying you can trust, you can trust God your father as a safe as a safe father. Because when you bring when you come to and regardless of whatever is going on when you come, you can be assured and come in complete confidence that what you're going to receive is his grace and his mercy. Now listen, Scripture says that God disciplines those he loves, right? But discipline is a loving, gracious response. It's not a harsh. I've taught you this for years. Punishment is about the person doing the punishing. Punishment comes from a source down deep in us that something is missing and we punish because because punishment, punishment comes out of my sense of probably my own holes, and it's about me. Discipline comes from a completely different place. Discipline comes from a place of love and compassion and a desire to bend and shape so that something that's much more important down the road can be headed off at the pass at this place. Discipline is always about the individual, punishment's always about the punisher. But what can I be? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So we can be confident. Jesus is teaching the disciples and all of us that we can be confident in what we will receive because God our Father is safe. We can always approach him. He is safe. Um, This is something you learn over time. It's something that develops over time. There's a, there's a person named Dr. Meg Meeker. I got introduced to Meg Meeker through her book, Strong Father, Strong Daughters. But she's been in this business for like 30-some years. If you can follow Dr. Meg Meeker anywhere, podcast, books, I would encourage you to do that. 30 years of this kind of parenting, coaching kind of thing. And it was very interesting to me that she had said in her research, she found out that children's problem-solving skills and IQ is impacted by the time spent with their fathers before the age of three. Before the age of three. Now, for us dads, up to three, it's kind of like they can't do anything but eat, you know. and you know, They can't really. I remember early on, um, I don't remember how old Annie would have been, but she was really, really, really young. And I was heading out one Saturday to Home Depot. And, and Gina said, well, why don't you take Annie with you? And my refor- first response was, well, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I mean, she, she can't talk. She can't help me. You know, I'm going to have to cart her around. Why, why would I want to do that? She said, I take her with me everywhere I go. Huh? Okay. Well, then that turned into our thing. We'd go, we went to Home Depot so much when she was little that if anything was orange later on, she would not want to go anywhere near it. Right? <laughs> right? 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 Look. Dads bond with their kids around play. Moms bond with their kids around conversation. So look, so when a dad spends time with their son or daughter during the day, when they come home, the question mom has is, what did you guys talk about? And dads go, huh? <laughs> when, when they spend time with their moms all day and they talk, And they come home. Dad doesn't ask, what did y'all talk about? Dad asks, what did y'all do? But Listen, I told you on Mother's Day that God God our Father has a mothering heart. He bonds with us through time spent in conversation and in time spent just doing nothing. Just playing, just going for a walk. Just whatever is there in nature that fills your soul. God our Father wants to do both. He wants to have the time with us to play and the time with us to talk. And He's safe. He's a safe Father to do either one of those things. But that is what gets us into His presence. What gets us into His presence is we find Him to be safe. Here's the second one. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wrote it out this way. Break into my present darkness with your rule and reign, circumventing the power that is trying to destroy something and someone under your spiritual jurisdiction. This part of the prayer comes from recognition that we really don't know what's best for us. And it takes a lot of, I mean, depending on your personality type, it takes a lot of convincing to tell you that you don't know what's best for you. And you don't completely understand everything that's going on around you. You don't understand all the intricacies. You can't. We can't understand tomorrow or next week. So this portion of the prayer is that we can trust God, our Father, to protect us, protect our interests, to protect our hearts, because God, our Father, is a protective and He's a proactive Father. One of the greatest challenges as parents is the protection of our kids. Right? It starts off early. You, you buy the things that puts um, uh, the outlets at your home. Right? It used to be you could you buy those plastic things and you insert it. Now you can actually buy different outlets. Um, when, we, when we were redoing the house up here, we knew how many kids would be in that house through the years. We took all those old outlets out, put new outlets in that you can't put anything in, right? And so that's the easy kind of protection. But then we start moving as parents. Well, how do we protect their hearts? And how do we protect their futures? I learned this, I was at the inauguration of a new president at Lee University, and I was talking to one of the professors. And I was, uh, we were just talking about parents and how parents have changed through the years in college. And he said, you've heard of helicopter parenting. I said, yeah, you know, always hovering. He said, no, no, no. We, we now deal with snowplow parenting. I said, snowplow, do tell. He said, they try to get out in front of their kids and remove every possible obstacle out in front of them so they never have to deal with anything hard. Now, where does that come from? It comes from this place, it comes from this, we think, a healthy place of, of protecting protecting our fathers. But if we're sons and daughters before we're ever husbands and and fathers and mothers and, and wives, then we, we can trust, we can trust our kids to the Father. That that when we can pray, not my will be done, but your will be done, we're trusting someone else. We're trusting God who is safe to see stuff we can't see and that we can't protect. Um, and when we if we can buy into this about our father, that we can trust him. With our futures, our present, it changes the way you live your life. Even when I wrote this out, that primarily we get our roles mixed up. And primarily, um, if, if, if things feel heavy to you, my suggestion would be that you've gotten your role mixed up with God's role. That primarily he's called us to be sons and daughters before ever men and women, for, before we're ever mothers and fathers. And so when you go through this really bout of anxiousness and weight, my suggestion would be step, take a step back and see yourself as a son and daughter first. And a son and daughter should ease, should ease that. Um, let's go to um, give us today our daily bread. I acknowledge you as my provider. You are better at it than I am. Give me the strength and wisdom to work with you and not against you. And this is God, our Father, is a providing Father. He's a providing Father. When I held Annie in the hospital, um, I told you this at Mother's Day, moms have 40 weeks to get attached to their kids. Dads, we're a little behind the curve. And then the born, and then we hold them. And I remember being completely overwhelmed, like, how in the world am I going to provide for her? I had read too many articles about how many millions of dollars your kids cost you. Um, But I'm like, how in the world am I going to provide for my daughter? And then she had gotten old enough, and um, uh, it was one particular night. Dad, you know what this is. It's the elbow in the ribs, and you hear your wife say, it's your turn. Yeah. And so that meant, yeah, <laughs> that meant I had to get up and check on her. So I get up and check on her, and um, now she's sitting in my lap in the glider, and her legs are just a little bit long enough to kind of wrap around me a little bit. And she buried her head in my chest right here. And I remember this overwhelming sense of love for her. And in that moment, I heard as, any, as clearly as I've heard anything God ever speak to me, I heard clearly, this is all I want to do for you. All this striving and working and doing and worrying and fretting. And in that moment, it was, it was the first time, I guess, that I had enough of the right emotions to connect to him saying that, that it, that it hooked me. What you what you feel towards this little girl in your lap now, that's how I've always felt about you. So again, dads, we connect too much of our worth and too much of our fear around the providing model for our kids. And it never was intended to be that way. How can I say that? Because Jesus also teaches in Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that he had just described about food and clothing and everything, all these things shall be added unto you. He's saying, I'm your perfect heavenly father, full of compassion and grace. You can trust me. I'm safe. I can protect you. You can trust me with you. And I am your provider. Trust me. Seek after me. Seek after my ways. And just watch and see what I can do. God is our provider. We can trust him in that. The fourth one. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. I wrote, forgive me of the times that I rebel against your standard of holiness and hurt you. And I will use that grace to inform and resource my forgiveness to those who don't measure up to my standards and hurt me. What Jesus is teaching us is God is a forgiving father. A forgiving father. A great relationship with your heavenly father is not marked by perfect um, behavior. It's marked by perfect forgiveness. Theologian J.I. Packer says this, Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. Of all the gifts of grace, adoption is the highest. This is an amazing observation. The higher our understanding of us being chosen and grafted into his family, The higher our understanding and embrace of that is the higher an understanding of our embrace of Him as Father. God our Father keeps an open door for forgiveness. You can always count on God to forgive you. Here's the last one. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. I wrote, lead me in the direction of life Because sometimes I'm drawn to the shiny things that lead to death and save me from the effects of this evil age, the evil one lying in wait for me, and the evil circumstances I find myself in right now. Who would you ask that to? God our Father as a leader. Jesus knew we needed leadership. That's why his invitation with relationship was two words. Follow me. Follow me. That's what a leader says. Follow me. We have a world of people, of leaders that cannot be trusted. They speak their own minds, wanting to lead you in their own directions for their own benefit. It is a cacophony of noise. We have plenty of people yelling out opinions and directions, and we have very few leaders. He can be trusted as our leader that we don't have to be out in front. In fact, it's much better if we are one step behind. You might have played um, these games as a kid uh, Simon Says and Follow the Leader I always like Follow the Leader better right? because Follow the Leader, um, it was more fun because it was more adventurous and it was moving. Simon Says I always just felt silly doing all those things and when we were, the game was over I was still standing in the same place I was when I started but follow the leader, I was moving. And Jesus is moving. And the Father heart of God can be trusted to lead us where we need to go and out of the places that will harm us, we can follow him as leader. So the kind of father that's available to us is safe, protective, providing, forgiving, and leading. And as our relationship with him as father develops over time, our heart will mend over time as a son and daughter and whole parents heal children. The wounds that I have, the hurt that I've inflicted on my daughter, raising her now 9 o'clock, she was sitting right there. She knows everything I've said. But the wounds and hurt that I've inflicted on her, when I look back, it is wounds and hurt that I have, I have not or I'm still in process of dealing with from my father. And when I look at my father and all the things that he, he, he showed up at the right times, but with all the difficulties of just managing a, a teenage boy, I looked and I had just enough of an of a insight into his father that I saw that his wounds and hurt is where my wounds and hurt came from. And the ones that I could not flesh out with my father, my heavenly father, gets passed down to Annie. See, I never knew what my dad was going to say and how he was going to say it. So that meant my dad was, was rarely the first person I went to. And I can tell you, I, I can look at times in my life where I've blown up at her and it had nothing to do with her. Nothing. But there was some insecurity or something else that was happening over here and she just came along as an easy target. And really, the joy in parenting right now, she, you know, she, would, she looks forward to the me being up there in the morning saying, I'm sorry. I've probably made more strides as a father, not in what I've done right, but what I have admitted that I've done wrong. See, because being a son and daughter to our father is not about perfect behavior. It's about perfect forgiveness. It's about honest repentance, a trust in that repentance, that I'm going to meet compassion and grace. And that compassion and grace is going to shape me and it's going to heal me so that I can be a whole person healing people and not just carrying around gaping gaping wounds. The enemy is what wants to keep those things gaping and open and infected, not the father. The father steps in and does all of the opposite to bring that kind of healing to us team come on up and that leads me to the concluding my concluding objective i want to give you a father's blessing look i understand that i'm not your father but i am pastor and i am shepherd so if you allow me today i want i want to i want to bless you as a father um One particular thing my father said to me um, caused so much pain and he did it, I can't even unpack it. What I can tell you is I held it for decades and decades and decades. But he also did something once that I've also held for decades. Going away to college, I drove to the station to say goodbye. He was already at work. He wasn't coming home. If I was going to say goodbye, I had to go do it. And it's the first he had ever mentioned any of this to me. When I met him on the sidewalk in front of the station, he said, stay. He had kidded around with me that I had just, when I had gotten old enough to be helpful, that I was leaving. He said, stay. I'll buy this station in this neighboring town, and you and I will be in business together. Well, by that time, I had already was very convinced that God had called me to ministry, and I was heading off to Bible college. So I said, Dad, you know I can't go. Now, I had settled that already in my heart with the father that I wasn't afraid to tell my dad that. I had no idea what he was going to say. There had been plenty of occasions where my father would have just turned around and walked away. But he didn't. My dad had a unique way of showing up as a father when I least expected it. Because what he said to me was, I'll support you in whatever you do. He would not have ever classified that as a blessing but it's exactly what it was. Your father may have blessed you and you had not recognized it. You might carry some heavy hurts from your father. You might, the hurts you carry may be that you don't even, didn't even know your birth father. But blessing in scripture is a big deal. 330 times in the Old Testament, one particular word for blessing is listed. It's Barak a blessing was so significant that, that it set the identity and the future of the children being blessed. I end every service since April 1st, 2007 with a priestly blessing out of numbers. And I'm going to get to that. But this one, I want to bless you, especially what I'm going to ask is, if you are carrying a father wound, this this is not this is not an indictment on your father. This is not about your father today. You're, you're not somehow dishonoring your father. But if you carry a father wound, I want you to stand so I can pronounce his blessing over you. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I believe movement matters. If you're carrying a father wound, I want you to stand so I can pronounce his blessing. Let me help you by saying, keep standing if you want to stand. This is exact. I didn't even hardly get it out of my mouth at 9 o'clock. And people started standing up all over the room. These are the words of God, but they're coming from me. And I don't even know why I chose this first word, but I believed it was from God. I hope it's for someone. If you're in your home watching, stand. You are not trash. I love you, and you are treasured. You are not a mistake. I myself put you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. All your days were written down before you were born. You are not forgotten. My thoughts for you outnumber the sands on the sea. You are not lost. I have good plans for you and good works that I have prepared in advance for you to do. You are not a failure. You are not destined to fail. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I am proud to be your father. I will make all of our plans succeed. You are not alone nor abandoned I have never and will never leave you or forsake you you haven't burnt burnt any bridges between us the bridge is still there in Jesus draw near to me and I will draw near to you I love you son I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I love you, daughter. I am proud of you. Those are words directly out of Scripture for each of us. those words that you have to hear echo over all those other negative thoughts and feelings that you hear the enemy lies that's what he does you can always tell who's lying to you you can always tell by the tone of the voice if the tone of the voice in your head doesn't sound like that it's not coming from your father That's the tone you listen for. That's the tone you can trust. That's the tone that protects you. That's the tone that provides for you. That's the tone you listen for. And any other tone, call it out for what it is. That's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to live on it. I'm not going to base anything I do on it. That is a lie. And let the Father bring healing to you. Now I want everyone to stand. The blessing I pronounce every at the end of every service is that of numbers. We're going to sing it today before I pronounce it over you. I do it so that each time we get together, that we receive a blessing from our father. Let's sing it together. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.